Welcome to episode 22 of Design Much, How to Speak Up, featuring Allison Subal. I'm curious, as you, you mentioned this topic about like how we can speak up, what do you actually define as speaking up? What does speaking up as a designer entail to you? I think there's a few things. Um, speaking up is basically speaking your mind or asking questions. Um, but there's a lot that goes into it. You, you're not just gonna sit there and blurt out the first thing that comes to your mind, right? Or you shouldn't. Um, when you, I think as like junior designers, when you start to approach giving feedback and asking questions, you need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to be aware of who's in the room and um, what is being presented or what you need feedback on so you can approach it properly. And I think there's a point where you shouldn't just speak up to speak up because there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, I need to say something in this meeting when they probably shouldn't, or they should probably think about what they want to say first um, because it can be hurtful to somebody who's asking for feedback, or it can be completely out of left field, like doesn't even make sense to what needs feedback or what the meeting's about or the presentation. Mm -hmm. So you just need to be aware of that. Um, I think when, uh, we as designers or anybody who's just in a business situation, we need to learn that like we need to be prepared. And I think being prepared helps us to give the proper feedback. So know what meeting you're going into and what is expected of you in that meeting. Um, and uh, the other one is know your audience as well. So if you're going into a meeting and it's just with your other fellow UX designers, it's probably a little bit more comfortable. You're probably a little bit more open to giving feedback or asking for feedback. Um, if you're in a room with developers, uh, sometimes you might not know how to give feedback if they're talking about something, a feature, and you're just like, I have no idea what this code lingo is. So, you know. You just need to ask questions. You're not necessarily giving feedback, but you're asking questions. Mm -hmm. So there's the two different sides of speaking up. Yeah, well, like and that. at some point you like pollute the conversation, right? If you right. speak up too much. Right. Yeah, you need to, and I think that's the next point is, does what I want to say actually benefit the conversation? Am I going to help somebody by asking this question or giving this feedback? Or is it just going to kind of, you know, detract from what we're trying, like our, our purpose. Yeah. So is that why people are scared to speak up then or I, nervous? Cause they're, they're afraid to pollute the conversation. I think so. I think sometimes that could be it. I think, um, I think there's a lot of reasons why we're afraid to speak up. Maybe we don't feel like we, maybe we feel like what our opinion or our questions don't matter. Right. So I know there's so many times, like I'm sure throughout everybody's career where we sit there and people are like, ask a question, like no question is dumb. And I think that it holds true no matter what, because when I started kind of trying to get out of my introvert self early on in my career, um, it was, you know, people kept saying, ask these questions. Like if you're not asking the questions, somebody else will. Or nobody's going to ask the question because everybody's afraid to ask it. And then mm -hmm. it never gets asked. And then you guys lose out on an opportunity to make something better mm -hmm. or to help 
guide something in a, in a different direction that maybe it needs to go in. So. Awesome. I really like that. And is there going on those lines of like saying, like, ask any question, mm-hmm. are there environments that maybe you've experienced or that you've like heard about that are maybe that can have an effect on a designer's confidence to actually speak up? Yeah, I do. I think um, in good and bad ways. Yeah. Right. So um, I think there's a lot of environments where uh, so back to the first of my career where it was I'd get into a room and everybody there had been in the industry for, you know, five to 10 years, if not more. And sitting in there, it was just like, oh, man, there's no way anything that I say is going to make a difference because I've only been doing this for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you need to understand that your voice always matters no matter what, because even if you say something, um, it, the other designers may have heard it ton, like time and time again, but they can educate you mm-hmm. if you say something, but it's also up to those designers to help you feel comfortable and help you not be afraid in that situation. Right. This goes both ways. So, we need to like as designers who have been in the industry for a little longer, we need to be able to respect those junior designers and, you know, their lack of um, their lack of experience within the industry and maybe designing and just kind of help them not feel so afraid. But there are many times where you walk in a room and you're just like, I, I know nothing compared to all these people. But in reality, you do know something because you have your skills and you have everything that you are really good and strong at, all your strengths that you brought to the table. You're not brought into a room just to sit there and listen. Mm-hmm. You're brought into a room for a reason and you need to understand your place in that room. Well, and I think innocence kind of like allows for innovation in a way mm-hmm. because like if you if you're in it like if you're in that situation um and there's a bunch of seniors in the room and you're the junior person like um the seniors may feel like you don't have anything to offer yeah and if they do i think they're wrong first right. of all but like if you bring up something they've heard before it may be different in this context mm-hmm. right you're like oh what about this and they're like well i've heard oh wait no that makes sense in this right. context right so i think i think that level of sort of um yeah, I think I think that kind of thing. Like, if, if people don't speak up from their perspective, then you don't offer. You literally don't offer anything from your perspective, right? And there's a reason why you're in the room. So. Exactly, exactly. And I think you know, and like I said, it's it really falls on like making junior designers comfortable and making anybody comfortable within your team to speak up and ask questions. It really falls on those senior, you know, members of the team to accept that feedback and to ask that person, why do you feel this way? Like, why do you think I should, you know, make the interaction like this? Mm -hmm. Like it's our responsibility to kind of push back and make them think because it also makes us think and eventually you'll get to the right conclusion. Yeah. So, so how would a, how would a senior mid-level person or if, if people are not speaking up, how would, how would a senior person or somebody has more experience resolve that? How, in your mind, what, how could they help get people to be more open and speak up, be more transparent? I think it starts with them. So I think it starts with them being transparent and them speaking up. Um, I think as senior designers, though, uh, there can be that air of cockiness. Like, I've mm-hmm. been in this for a long time. You don't know what you're talking about. So I think you need to just check that at the door and understand that your place is actually to teach 
and to learn at the same time, but to know that, hey, I may have more experience than everybody in this room, so I need to be the one to step up and have the confidence to say something and ask everybody questions like, what do you think about this or why, you know, why are you doing it this way? And start that conversation and make it a safe place. Like, don't start a conversation and ask a question and then be like, well, that was that was a dumb answer, you know, like actually respect what they have to say and continue to promote that because mm-hmm. they have to feel safe. If, if your if your team doesn't feel safe speaking up and talking, they're not going to say a word. Yeah. So did you hear that, Andy? I didn't. I didn't hear any of did that. You hear actually. Any of that? No, I didn't hear. Uh, I heard the word. I heard. Oh, I didn't hear the word humble, but I heard the word not be arrogant. Right? Yeah. <laughs> not be cocky. Once again, this podcast comes down to one principle, and that's freaking uh, humility. Be humble. Should we? Should we just end it right now? Should be just, humble. Should we change the name of the podcast? Maybe. Design humility. Design humility. It's not bad. I like humility it. much. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> You're onto something. Hum- humble much, bro? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to add bro at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Change it to humble AF if you want to. Yeah. There you go. It's perfect. <laughs> so let's let's move in a little bit to like your personal experience, like how, how you came about doing this. So what problems did you have in your career um, in regards to speaking up? Um, a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I kind of touched on earlier, um, I'm super introvert. Like even to this day, I'm, I'm quite the introvert. Um, and early on, outside of design, outside of designing, um, just when I was an assistant in different forms, um, I would be scared to speak up. I'd be scared to give my opinion. I'd be scared to push back on something that I didn't feel was right. And um, I got got walked all over. And it made my job miserable. It made every day miserable. I hated my jobs. Um, But slowly over time, having the right managers and the right mentors in my life that I didn't realize were there, I didn't like put them there, um, but I was able to kind of um, just learn from them they taught me that I should never keep my mouth shut and that if I have something to say, I need to say it and to understand where I should say it, though, because there are some times when um, when I started practicing speaking up, I would say it in meetings and it did not go over well. <laughs> and I and I, I looked like a complete fool and I just kind of walked out of the meeting with my tail between my legs. Right. Um, and those are things that I think you learn just as you're kind of starting to practice this. Um, but there are times where like the things you need to say have to be said, but just take your manager aside and say, Hey, this is how I felt in this meeting, or this is how I felt when this person approached me and said this, how do I, how do I respond to this? What should I do? And they would just help me figure that out, whether it was go talk to that person about your feelings or you know what maybe don't say anything and just work on yourself work on whatever advice they give you or whatever was said just kind of work on yourself and make it better next time and i mean i i felt a lot and i was scared a lot to say anything in the beginning part i'm still scared to say stuff you know wondering if i give feedback on a design if somebody's going to be like oh what does she know you know um 
I've had I, a recent job I had um, before my current job, I I would sit in a room and I I felt like I did not have the respect that um, I deserved, and I would continue to speak up no matter what. And by me speaking up, but speaking up respectfully, mm-hmm. um, by me speaking up, I actually started gaining respect from those people that had no respect for me in the beginning. You know, like, oh, she doesn't come from a graphic design background or she's only been, you know, a UX designer for three years. What does she know? And it was actually like, well, I, I do know something and I'm in this room for a reason. You hired me for a reason. Mm-hmm. Respect me for that. I respect you for your you know, for, for your skills and your strengths now respect me. And I, it's just something that I think you start to gain over time and just practicing it like anything. And it's tearing down those assumptions that other people make too. Yeah. Yep. That's really cool. I like the idea of practicing. And I also really like mm-hmm. how you like ask for advice on how to speak up in certain scenarios. Because yeah. as you said, like starting out, you probably have no idea how. Right. And as you experience, you're, you're going to fail a lot. But mm-hmm. I really like how you like actually asked people like, yeah. how should I go about speaking up about the situation? Because I'm, I'm assuming that really helps you figure things out a lot better, right? Right. It helps you figure things out. It helps you approach you know, if it happens again, it helps you approach it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly learning and we're constantly growing. And if we're not asking people who are practicing it properly how to get through it, then we'll never learn and we'll never grow. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing is watch other people in the room and other people around you. Watch how they interact. Watch how they speak up and when they speak up. Um, like I've had bosses in the past where... Um, I would watch them in a room and conducting a meeting and how they would just sit and listen to everybody in the room and they wouldn't say anything. And I'd be like, why aren't they saying anything? Like, why aren't they responding? But they were just kind of like, you know, and they'd sit there and they'd write things down. I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, like have a conversation here, you know, but they just let them speak. And then at the end they'd be like, okay, I heard all of this now this is what this is what I heard, and I have some questions for you, or I have some feedback to give you. And they were basically it's that it's just that um, really listening mm-hmm. and really understanding what is happening around you and being present. You know, closing your computer, turning off your phone, and being present in the moment and watching everybody around you and just paying attention to that. And I like I'd watch those people who are really good at giving feedback and speaking up. And they would never interrupt people and they would never belittle anybody. I think we're really good in our critiques where we say, I wonder if, or I was thinking, or I really like, approach things that way and be respectful about it right up front. And your feedback will usually be accepted pretty graciously. Yeah. That's what I really liked, what you just said, like how your, your bosses would sit back mm-hmm. and they would say, this is what I heard. I really like that. I, I haven't thought of this before, but like... It's kind of like they're saying, like, they're going to speak up, they're about to speak up, but they're actually giving the context to why they're about to speak up. Yeah. And that's really cool because I think that could give even more information as to, like, I'm about to tell you my my feedback, yeah. and here's why, here's what I heard. Mm-hmm. And they may have mis- misinterpreted, like, right. what they heard. So that's that's just more information that really helps out. Right. So that, that's really cool advice. And actually. I think it also helps those employees who have a hard time speaking up it helps them gain that confidence and have the like 
and stop being afraid to actually say what they want to say because they know that what they are going to say is going to be heard and it's going to be respected. I think that's I think that's the key is respecting everything that people say. That's awesome. So you're in a room. Mm-hmm. It's 10 people in the room. Uh, everybody's talking. Okay. You want to say something because you disagree or agree or whatever. Whatever the situation is, doesn't matter too much. How do you how do you kind of jump into that? Like for people who are because I think some people just struggle with speaking up. Right. Like physically. Mm-hmm. Like how do you how do you uh, how have you learned how to kind of jump into conversations? Um, wait for it to die down. I think just paying attention to the conversations around you. Um, so there's a lot of times where, cause I'm really bad with words <laughs> and like formulating <laughs> and like formulating any sort of thought, hence all of my notes. But, um, I think it's, if you have something to say, write it down so you don't forget it. And then if everybody around you is just talking and they're hashing out this problem and you have your developer opinion here and your senior designer opinion here and your product manager opinion here, and they're all kind of yelling at each other because nobody wants to do what needs to be done. I think you just need to sit back, wait for it to kind of die down, try to listen to what people are saying, and then just kind of wait for a low moment. And then you need to just step up and be like, I can I interject here? You know, I would like to say something. I think, and it's hard. It's probably one of the hardest things to do. I had a really hard time at it with it at first. Um, but I think once you do it once, you get over that, that fear of doing it the first time, it's easier to kind of do it down the road. But then your team starts to see, oh, we should probably calm down and we should probably like listen to each other instead of talking over each other. But I think you just have to wait for that moment. When the moment's right, then say something. Because if you just start talking, nobody's going to hear. Nobody's going to yeah, listen. You're just, getting, you're just, you're, just the, you're part of the problem. Yeah. You know? And sometimes you will not be able to say things in a meeting or in a situation that you want to say. And I, a long time ago, I started writing down everything. I don't do it as much anymore because I've started getting in the habit of just remembering things. But write it down. And then if you don't have an opportunity to say it in a meeting or to that person, then, you know, slack them later or shoot them an email or just go over to their desk and say, Hey, I had this thought while we were, you know, trying to hash this out. I have this thought Hmm. and I have developers do that to me all the time, you know, and I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like when, when, when you're in a meeting too, um, and you have lots of ideas floating around, mm-hmm. um, those ideas can be easily lost. Um, and I think it could be interesting if you, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but if you wanted that idea to have more weight, yeah. as you said, write it down and mm-hmm. then actually go talk to them about it. Yeah. And like, that's a different moment, a different experience yeah. that they actually would get a lot more of your idea mm-hmm. instead of trying to process everybody's idea along with your idea. Right that could be have a lot more weight if you feel like it needs to be. Yeah. And I think it's good too, because if you're writing thoughts down, then you might come back to that maybe like five, 10, 20 minutes later in the meeting and be like, Oh, actually bad thought. Yeah. Get rid of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, Oh, that has, that has no weight anymore because we talked about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so I think it's good to write things down or, you know, type them up in your notepad on your computer. But, 
I'm a huge fan of being in the present and just trying to get rid of distractions and being there. Be in your meeting and give the respect to everybody in that meeting that they deserve. Yeah, I think that's great. So. You want to send that drunk text at 2 in the morning? <laughs> drunk text. <laughs> 2 in the morning. <laughs> I've never sent a drunk text, but I would imagine I'd be really good at it. Well, there's only one way to find out, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next morning, you wake up. Oh, crap. I shouldn't, have, <laughs> shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that in the meeting. It happens. You'll say things that you regret, too, <laughs> whether you're drunk or not. <laughs> I do like the idea of writing it down, though. I think that's something I'm guilty of, is not writing it down. Is maybe even giving yourself an opportunity to formulate the thought mm -hmm. before you just say the thought. Yeah. Because I think saying what comes to your mind is, uh, like, you could, you could, you, you say it in your head and you're like, ah, maybe I shouldn't say that. And you back yeah. away. But mm -hmm. if you, if you write it down, then that gives you an opportunity to read it back to yourself. Yeah. And be like, no, I need to say this. Mm -hmm. But then it also gives you pause to, like, figure out how to say it properly. It also gives you, if you're more of a senior designer, I think it gives the opportunity to, like, junior designers to speak up first hmm. when you kind of, put your thought maybe on the back burner and see if like, if you're maybe like a team lead or something like that, seeing if they're going to bring it up first to see if that thought process is there. And then if, if that's not there, then maybe you bring it up and maybe it sparks conversation. Maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's not, you're, you know, but I think it's good yeah. to kind of just sit there and think on it for a minute. Not always, you know, there's time and place to, have a thought come out immediately or have it kind of sit and wait on it. So I think it's just being aware of who you're talking to and what's going on around you. Yeah, knowing your situation. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Is there is there anything else that you would like to add to this conversation? Any any, you know, things that we haven't asked you about in terms of speaking up? I think we might have touched on it all. I think building relationships with your team, whether that's, you know, with with your, your dev team or with your UX team, I think building those relationships is key to helping you have confidence in everything that you're doing and saying and being able to speak up in a room, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I think building those relationships is key. And then when you start building those relationships, you're able to build upon relationships within other departments as well. Because, you know, as an introvert like me, if I'm building relationships with people on my immediate team, I might have some people on that team that know every, like know tons of people throughout the company and in different departments. And so it helps me build relationships with them and so on and so forth. And then you just start gaining confidence because if there's people in the room that you trust and there's people around you that like make you feel comfortable, then you're more likely to speak up and you're more likely to give feedback and you're more likely to also accept that feedback because you respect each other. Mm -hmm. So, And there's probably more humility involved there too as well Again, because you have that yeah. trust, you have that relationship mm -hmm. that you've, you know, you've taken the time to build that with them. Yeah. So you're not going to be, hopefully you're not going to be a, a huge jerk about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I like you brought up trust too, because I think, I think that you, you, to be, to speak up, I think you have to be able to trust yourself mm -hmm. as well as everybody in the room. Yeah. So if you speak up and you know, there's some guy in the room or 
that that's always like a, like a snarky jerk about everything, mm-hmm. then you don't really trust them with what you're going to say, right? Right. Right. And I always kind of go back to like uh, to build trust, you have to have conversations or experiences outside of work to actually build trust, right? right? Like you can only work so much to to earn respect or trust or influence, but like if you if you uh, if you're a team that goes out to lunch regularly, mm-hmm. um, you have weird experiences and conversations that happen spontaneously. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, oh, then in, that, in those situations, it's easier to speak up because it's lighter. There's not as much gravity, right? Yeah. I think those are the moments that you build trust as a team Definitely. rather than in a meeting. Definitely. Um, and I think yeah. it's important to have those moments with other people outside of your team. Mm-hmm. Try and have them as much as possible. I think one of the most intimidating things for um, designers is getting in front of, you know, upper management, in front of executives. That's super terrifying. But they brought you into your position for a reason, and you're there for a reason. And you need to understand that they are trusting you to give them the feedback that is necessary and to give them the, you know, push push the questions and and really like make sure that you are that voice in the room because <clears throat> excuse me because um if you don't then they could walk all over you or they're not going to respect you so um but i think your upper management also has to like kind of bring down their guard a little bit sometimes and not be so like oh i'm i'm over you but like treat me as an equal mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what we all need to do is just treat each other as equals, whether we're junior designers, senior designers, you know, VP of product, whatever, whatever it may be, we're all trying to learn and grow and build the best product. So let's have respect for each other and listen to each other, give feedback where is needed, but, you know, just really learn and just build. So. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Yeah, you couldn't have. No, definitely not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you should sell yourself so short. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm absolutely I, sure. I only said that to illustrate a point about, you know, no. being afraid to speak up. Like, okay. you, you should always speak up, Andy. Uh, okay. Have respect when you give feedback, though. <laughs> see, that was, a, that was we're illustrating Re- what exactly Respect and humility. Yeah, I see what's going on here. I see. <laughs> Just circling the horses, right? Okay, that's all we had. That's it? Yeah. That was easy. See, it's easy peasy. Easy peasy. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Andy. Did, hey, was that a great conversation with Allison? That was a wonderful conversation. That's pretty good, huh? Speaking up. She spoke up a lot. Yeah. I would say so. She, I think she's doing her job, speaking yeah. up. She's doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, if you want to continue that conversation, uh, go to designmuch.org and leave a comment. If you think that topic would benefit another designer or even your design team, Andy, the whole team. Whole team. Whole team of designers. That's what you call a team. Like a group of designers is called a murder of designers. Yeah, it is. Not a team. Uh, feel free to share it with them or with your team or whoever. Uh, get a conversation going. A uh, couple quick uh, quick hits. The podcast is now available on Spotify. So go ahead and listen. Uh, if you're a Spotify user, go ahead and listen to it. Um, if uh, you're interested in coming to the next Launch UX, it will be November 30th. 
Um, <clears throat> where is it at, Andy? It's going to be at 1-800-CONTACTS. So that's going to be, again, 11.30 a.m., lunchtime-ish, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's going to be at 1-800-CONTACTS, and Mike Curtis is going to go over an awesome topic about how to write about your work and how to present it with confidence. Mm. So how do, how do you really get a great portfolio written up, right? So yeah. I'm excited about that. What, what does, uh, in your mind, Andy, what makes a great portfolio? I have no idea. That's why I'm going to this meetup. Oh, you don't even want to speculate? <laughs> what makes a we're, good we're portfolio? Like, we're like announcers speculating before the Super Bowl. We're like, what do you think he's going to talk right. about? Like, what's, what, what's it going to be? About? Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, what makes a good portfolio? I think um, some good case studies. So basically showing your design process. I feel like when we interview designers here at Canopy, we're always wondering, how do you do your work? Yeah. And why so like, did they decide to do that? Why did they decide? And mm-hmm. so I like that word you said, decide, because we also want to know their decision-making process and how they basically how they make decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So their portfolio should have something that includes basically something that shows us how they make decisions. And it could be a good example of how they started with a concept and made a decision that changed or, or basically how they, they started from one idea and ended up with the final idea. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what and I would I, say. And I hope Mike talks about uh, using medium posts to do it because that'll, that'll get stuck with Jeff Carter. Cause Jeff Carter really doesn't like that. <laughs> he doesn't like reading medium posts for portfolios. Gotcha. Okay. But you know, do what you can, right? You do what you can, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you don't you He's don't speaking s- out. Jeff Carter's speaking out about that. That's great. He's on Twitter saying, don't do this. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah, and that's what you yeah. should do. You should speak up. You mm-hmm. should let your opinion be known. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking up, hmm. what uh, what lessons did you learn from the uh, Allison uh, Zubal interview? There were a ton of things in this. It was like very meaty, very a lot deep. Of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. So. I have I have a lot of lessons here, <laughs> so. Um, you took all mine, by the way. I took all yours. Yeah. Really. Well, I wrote them down first. Well, that's okay. Yeah. You were there first. Do you wanna Do you wanna take some of mine back? No. I don't wanna. No. Steal your I thunder, wanna, man. No, I don't wanna. I don't. I don't wanna do that. That's, that's, you that's you just wanna. You just wanna mention it. I in just front wanna mention. I just wanna throw it out there passively, listeners. aggressively. Yeah. <laughs> uh, passive, passively, aggressively. That's not how you say it in that context. Passive, right? aggressively. Because it's passive aggressive, yeah. But if I say, do I say passive aggressively? Maybe that's. I think it. that's it. That's yeah, it. yeah, that's it. Yep, grammar. It out. <laughs> Not a strong suit. <laughs> we'll figure it out together, man. <laughs> <laughs> hand in hand. Anyway, no, would you? Yeah, would you learn? <laughs> so she talked about like you know what speaking up is. So she said like speaking up um, is speaking your mind and asking questions. But that isn't everything. It's also about understanding the context of your situation and to whom you are speaking. Um, so basically, it's not about just you know opening your mouth and saying whatever comes to your head. It's it's just basically um, being conscious about who you're speaking to, and being respectful about that. Um, and going along those lines, uh, I like how she said, like, does what I want to say actually bring value to the conversation? Mm-hmm. So that's important to ask yourself that question before you actually blurt out your your feedback, your criticism. Um, and also, like, this is important. Speaking up does go both ways. Um, so we need to work on our um, on our confidence as, as designers, as anybody in the company, to speak up. We need to work on our confidence to do it 
as well as the environments and the cultures that we are in need to allow us as designers or just employees to feel comfortable and not be afraid to speak. Um, so if, if you're a senior designer and you're working with junior designers, you need to like give them like the space so they can speak and have the confidence to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much of this is us preventing other people? Yeah. Blocking other people from speaking up. I think that's a lot of it too. Like people are afraid because you were like this this dominant arrogant person <laughs> who doesn't want and I, I'm not, I don't mean you like the You're royal you I mean specifically I, right? I mean you specifically Patrick <laughs> exactly not the royal you it's you Patrick <laughs> that's why we had I suggested this podcast and we always talk about humility because it's just a long con. oh is that what this it's all about is? you just to get you to calm down <laughs> damn it <laughs> um, well now I'm on to you yeah, because I told you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're on to me. I'll forget tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Um, and so I also really liked kind of like a, a really good framework that she mentioned as she watched people, um, you know, like her previous bosses. So a good framework to give feedback is just sit there and listen. Listen to what people are trying to say when they're communicating to you. Um, and then take the time to tell them what you heard or what you understood. So give context. And then after that, give your feedback. So I thought that was really mm-hmm. helpful, um, really cool way of thinking, especially you telling them, this is what I understood from what you said. And then um, finally, um, it's also really great to write down your questions and feedback. Yeah, man. Um, because if you don't write them down, um, you won't be able to formalize a question very well. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll rephrase this a little bit differently. So if you do write them down, it'll allow you to formalize respectful and helpful thoughts. Um, and if you don't get the opportunity in a meeting to give your thoughts or to share them, then you can do it later. Um, or you could even realize it's not even valuable. You don't mm-hmm. have to share it at all. If you write it down and realize this is crap, I don't need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so lots of great stuff there. Well, to go along with that, that's one thing I think that uh, kind of struck me was speaking out doesn't necessarily mean being the loudest person in the room. Yeah. Or, you know, like. That's not the goal of it, right? The goal mm-hmm. of speaking out is to make sure that your comment or your feedback or whatever you're trying to tell that person is directed to that person um, so that there's mutual understanding, right? Yep. So that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always just talking in a meeting or that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's okay to talk to people after and, and, you know, one-on-one or, you know, like we talked about, <clears throat> we asked you the question about there's a lot of people talking. How do you jump in? Um, this is a great way if you can't jump in. Like, I've been in meetings before where it's like, uh, I, uh, you just keep getting cut off. Mm-hmm. Or there's just no opportunity in the meeting. The the, the conversation changes, right? And then you're like, ah, I don't want to be the guy that's like, hey, uh, let's go back to point one like 10 minutes ago and talk about it. Like, it's just easier to be like, hey, I'll pull two or three people aside later, talk to them, send them a Slack message. Um this one, this one, she slipped this one in there kind of at the end, uh, but I thought it was really important um, about speaking out. And I think this happens a lot in meetings, especially in meetings, um, is people aren't present in the meeting. So they've got their laptop open, they've got their phone out, they've got whatever. They're not really paying attention to the conversation. And then when there's a lull in the conversation, they jump in and say something that was just said like two seconds ago or yeah. whatever. She talked about she tries to be or... Or it's it's a it's a main point for her a goal to make sure that she's present in the meeting and is listening and participating and actively participating in the meeting, uh, not only to know what's happening but also really just to show respect for the people that put on the meeting or are having the meeting. 
Um, it's really, I think it is related to speaking up because it goes back to the, what, and what, uh, we said first was like, are, are we creating an environment where people feel comfortable to speak up? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that if we're not present in the meeting, then we're not creating that situation. Cause if, 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 uh, if we're in a meeting and I'm on my laptop and you speak up and you say something and I'm just like on my laptop, like I may never hear what you said. Right. Yeah. Chances are I didn't. So, and I would never do that by the way to you, Andy. Well, you would have it open, but you'd be like taking detailed notes about. Yeah. I always say really highly detailed notes. Yeah. Especially when you, like when you talk, it's like, Oh, okay. Let's jump in. Yeah, everything's you, in all caps. <laughs> usually have the laptop closed until I stand up and uh-huh. until, until I'm like, "Can I interject, please?" Yeah. And then you pull it up and like, "Okay, I got to get this down." Yeah, it is when you stand up and kick your chair aside and it hits the wall that I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Yeah. Okay, let me grab, <laughs> let me grab my notes, let me grab my feather pen and my ink. Yeah, that's what we should do. We should change meetings and just remove the technology. Like, there's just no technology in meetings. Like, you can bring a pen and paper. And all meetings are now not in Google Calendar, but they're they're sent to you via crow and wax sealed paper. All great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> See, you said pen and paper though. I was really excited for the quill idea. I've always wanted to use one of those. Yeah. But I've never. Do you know how to write with one of those? No. It's really hard. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, we should do it. Yeah, it's really tough. So I could take it's really kind of horrible form. notes. Yeah. <laughs> I bet, and you'd have to learn uh, calligraphy and all that stuff. Do you have to though? Yeah, because your your the beginning of the note has to be like really big, like the the letters like Andy. Oh, okay. So you draw the A really huge. Yeah. And then you write little tiny after that for a paragraph. Because I was actually thinking I was just going to draw emojis because that's the best way for me to communicate. <laughs> that's emojis. how I take my notes anyway, just emojis. So, <laughs> is it really hard to draw those with a one of those quills? Have Have you done it before? Yeah. 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 It's okay. tough, man. It's tough. Yeah, we can go find a hawk or something later and pluck a feather out of its back yeah. and try it out. Great. I don't even know where to get ink like that. I, I think a you bottle just, of ink? You just got to empty out a lot of pens into a bottle, yeah. Yeah. Well, do they great. even sell bottles of ink? Like, can I get that at Walmart? I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. That's I don't know, question. man. I was thinking about this speaking out. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier because... This kind of ties in. So uh, we've been reading uh, uh, about face as a team here at Canopy. And the last chapter that nobody read, I think it was chapter seven, uh, they talked about uh, synthesizers and generators, like different personality types. Um, I feel like this kind of goes with it because I feel like oftentimes the synthesizer type of personality is a little bit like they're, they're the people that don't necessarily speak out. Because they're more questioning things. Yeah. And can you quickly kind of define what those two the synthesizers <laughs> and generators are for uh, our I think everybody should go read about face. Oh, just make them go read chapter um, yeah. seven. So go back and read that. <laughs> pause where you're at right now in the podcast. You're listening on Spotify. Just hit pause. And then co- go back and read yeah, about go, face. Go buy the book and yeah. read it. I mean, none of come back. None of the designers at Canopy read it when you asked us to read it when we had access to books. I know. that That is now going to be a new hiring requirement. Have you read about face? And oh, really? like, I don't even know what it is. I'm like, okay, go find another job. Oh, wow. That's what it's going to be. Okay. <laughs> that in radical candor, right? No. 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 Nobody needs radical candor. 
Wow. But you need to you just use need regular candor. You don't candor. need like radical candor, bro. You, just you need, need radical candor. You just used it when you just fake fired somebody for not reading about face. That's just candor. That's just regular candor. That was firing That's not is radical. radical. Firing is radical. Radical is like burning somebody's car down and is stuff and having like a yeah, having like a riot and being against something. Oh, yeah, that's right. radical. That's chapter seven in radical candor. Yeah. If you want to, <laughs> I just need regular candor, man. <laughs> I don't know why you need levels of candor. Do you have non-radical candor? You have like you have, sub sub candor. You have candor. Then you have <laughs> what's the next level after candor? It's double stuff candor. Double stuffed. So it's thin candor, <laughs> double stuffed thin candor, candor, regular candor, and then there's mint candor. candor, and then all those weird flavors that Oreos comes out with. Those uh-huh. are all the radical ones. <laughs> They put like orange cream in there and stuff like that. The oops all berries candor. Yeah, oops all berries candor. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I got I got barbecue corn nuts. You have barbecue candor. Yeah, barbecue candor. <laughs> <clears throat> spicy, spicy candor. Mm-hmm. We could write a book about this and probably make lots of money off a bunch of freaking stiffs who would buy into this, right? Like yeah. The different levels of candor. <laughs> Be like, uh, yeah, what can we call it? Fifty Shades, 50 shades of Candor. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Candor. The fact that we said that at the same time means this is genius. Oh man. Fifty Shades of Candor with the with the subtitle of you don't you don't you, you can't get you can't just use radical anymore. You gotta do other things. Fifty Shades of Candor. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, like you going back to the original question, uh, according to About Face, Alan Cooper, um, he talks about uh, understanding when you're when you're like building teams and working together as a team, understanding people's kind of personality traits. Yeah. And in design, there's kind of a couple personality traits he highlights, with their, which are called synthesizers or generators. Uh, <clears throat> just like the name, they're just like the name. Generator personality types tend to go to the whiteboard and generate ideas, right? They, they tend to just like, let's go for it, you know, throw paint on the wall. Uh, let's get dirty. But what they tend to not do is complete the process. So <laughs> they, they tend to generate lots of ideas, generate lots of UI, generate lots of things, and then uh, have a hard time polishing off the thing. I, I feel like that's me. I feel like I'm, a very, I'm very much a generator. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, then there's the synthesizers, who are the people who um, kind of sit back more? Like if you're in a meeting, they kind of sit back more, and then they'll question things. Like, well, what if uh, you know? What about this? Did you think about the error state? Did you think about this? Like they they ask, they tend to ask more questions, and they tend to flesh out the entire story of an idea rather than just throw out a bunch of crazy ideas. Um, and so I I feel like sometimes the synthesizers get caught um, in a room of generators. <laughs> You know, like all the generators are buzzing and creating ideas and the synthesizers are kind of just sitting in the back, like waiting for their time to interject and be like, okay, these are all wonderful ideas, but none of them will work. And here's why. Yeah. Like they're the more analytical people. I feel like you're kind of in the middle more between the two. That's what they tell me. Yeah. But, but some people I feel like, uh, are, are really, they're on opposite spectrums. Yeah. They're polarized. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would say, I would say, I think. Just from my experience, it's probably a little harder for synthesizers to speak out because um, they get caught in the, the the circus of a generator, mm-hmm. right? Like just they're just ah, here's ideas, blah. What about this? What about this? Oh, it's gonna be so awesome. <laughs> 
And they're like, this, none of it's going to be awesome because it's technically impossible. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> like, gen- like synthesizers are, synthesizers I think can sometimes feel like the wet blanket in the room. Yeah, they're the ones that have to bring the generators yeah. down to back to earth, right? Yeah. Sometimes. But I think that's, that's, uh, that's very, very, very important. Yeah. Like having a synthesizer in the room is super important to any design process. And what I think is important if you're a generator or a synthesizer is to understand the you know, all the people, like what type of person they are and mm-hmm. understand what the good things they can bring to that process. Right. So yeah. if you're a generator, you want to ask feedback from synthesizers so you can get like grounded a little bit and <laughs> like that. And if you're a synthesizer, you're going to want more ideas from generators that then you can question. Um, so like, I think it's good. Um, as we talked about to like find the opposites and, you know, work together that way. Cause then you're going to really have a great product. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times soon we work with PMs. I feel like PMs are kind of synthesizers. Yeah. Sometimes just from a different, like not maybe specifically designed, but from an overall product and project basis. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was just some random thought. That was a radical thought. That wasn't radical. That was a barbecue. That was a hot and spicy thought. <laughs> It was a honey barbecue. I think it's kind of in the middle. Yeah. Barbecue and spicy. It's just like kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> honey barbecue. <laughs> honey barbecue. Um, since we <laughs> since we tend, since that came up and we tend to talk about food a little bit on the podcast, mm-hmm. just every once in a while. Um, when you're at Chick-fil-A, Andy, uh, there's basically two sauces that rule them all at Chick-fil-A. I mean, Chick-fil-A's got a lot of sauce. There's a lot of sauce going on. At Which I, I appreciate very much. Yeah. Because you're, you're talking about just chicken. Right, you need some stuff yeah. to di- like chicken and sauce go together, you know, like a generator synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, uh, there's there's two, there's basically two sauces. There's the uh, Chick Fil A sauce, right, mm-hmm. and then there's the honey roasted barbecue sauce. Yes. What do you get when you get yourself a four piece? So I, I have actually over time I've changed it up a little bit. I used to actually be a very strong barbecue, and it paired very nicely with their. <laughs> it paired it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> it paired very nicely, like you know, you get your your you know bucket of chicken, not really a bucket, but I wish it was. Mm. You get your bucket of chicken, and you dip <laughs> in your barbecue, <laughs> and then plate of nugs. <laughs> yeah, plate of nugs. I like that, but I think the barbecue pairs really nicely with the root beer that I always get. Yeah, yeah. Barbecue and root beer go together. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I've changed. <laughs> I've changed over time to absolutely, absolutely love the Chick Fil A sauce. That stuff is amazing. Yeah. So I, I just get like I get like four of those every time, basically. Have you had the honey roasted barbecue? Yeah. That's what you were talking about before. Yeah. Was the honey not there's regular barbecue? Wait, wait, wait. Because there's the regular barbecue. Like the one that comes in the little bucket and it's brown. Right? The brown one. That's what I'm used yeah. to. I'm not. Have you sh- had the honey roasted? The honey roasted barbecue sauce? Is Okay. So. You have to specifically ask for it and it comes in the little sleeve. I don't think I've sleeve, had that. Not the. I bucket. have not had that ever. Yeah. So it's, I, I it's, need to do that. So it's basically. My research <laughs> has shown that it's basically a Chick fil A sauce with barbecue sauce, like a hint of barbecue. What? Yeah. So let me ask you a question because there was some some history with Chick-fil-A where they had barbecue <laughs> and they took it away 
Or was it the ranch they took away? I can't remember. I don't they know. took I think they took the ranch away. The ranch away and they came out with a new ranch. So I think the barbecue has always been the same. Oh, they had regular ranch. They came out with like a bacon fried something. Yeah, and it was garbage. Like and then everyone Garlic, the, the entire ranch. country just like went on strike and freaked out. Mm-hmm. Right? And then so they brought it back. Yep. But the barbecue situation has always been the same. Yeah, it's a totally it's to two knowledge. two different products. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've never had that before. You've never had that? Well, we should have that because I want to get your take on which one is better. Okay. And what, um, so what color is it? What does it look it's like? It's yellow. It looks just like. It's yellow. Uh, yeah. It looks just like uh, Chick-fil-A sauce, but it has like a little, like some, some. Wow. Speckles of brown in it. Speckles like some of seasoning brown. or something. Okay. <laughs> that is interesting. It comes in a different package though. And this is, this is my big question because I prefer the honey roasted barbecue sauce. I prefer that. Over everything. Over everything there. Okay. Not to say the Chick-fil-A sauce isn't fantastic and it should rain Chick-fil-A sauce. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the honey roasted barbecue is just a little bit better. But it comes in the sleeve and not the dippable little bucket thing, you know? Which isn't – I like the dippable bucket better. Exactly. So I so I, I tend to get just the Chick-fil-A sauce now <laughs> because I don't want to like – Try to rip open the sleeve, and I got nothing to—I got no bucket to put it in to dip yeah. my nugs in, right? <laughs> so like, I got to put it on the tray or something, or on a napkin. But then it soaks up the, in the napkin. You piece of napkin in there. It's not great. So I tend to go with the what I would say—they're both superior, but I tend to go with the slightly inferior product because of the user experience. Oh really? Yeah. Because it's a better overall experience. You don't yeah. have to worry about all that. That messiness mm-hmm. that comes with pouring that out, right? Have yeah, you with it. now? Have you ever tried this? Have you ever actually tried mixing a re- original barbecue <laughs> with the Chick Fil A sauce? Oh no, <laughs> maybe that could possibly be the same thing. Yeah, it would. It would have to be heavier on the Chick Fil A sauce though, because yeah. it would turn this weird color. Yeah, hmm. but that's interesting. Well, I mean, going back to what you said before, I think it's pretty interesting that the user experience is more important to you than the actual taste that you f- find a lot more superior yeah to well it gets else. annoying like chick-fil-a sauce is very it's very good it's yeah. not like it's not like it's it's not like it's a crappy thing and i've got a really better like a better thing i would totally deal with it if it was crappy i'm saying i got like <laughs> they're 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 just like slightly really close to each other in yeah. quality so the ux would the like the poor ux of the sleeve the ripping open of that squirting it on something and feeling weird doing that uh, I, I I go back to the easier UX. So what can that teach us? I go back us? to the more efficient, easier UX. What can we learn from that as designers, Patrick? What's your takeaway? It's, I think it's profound. <laughs> I think it's profound. You take two <laughs> products that have similar quality from a design aesthetic standpoint, from a taste standpoint, from a sound standpoint, whatever the product is, right? Yeah. You take two of them, of, of equal quality, and one of them has a slightly worse user experience, and so you go with the other one. The, the populace will go with the other one naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes that makes total yeah. sense to me. It's something to think about for, mm-hmm. for our audience there. Yeah. Definitely. If you, if you have a better experience with, you know, you have two products, right? They're the same thing. Maybe one's a little bit better. One might be a little bit more flashy. Mm-hmm. You might have taken a little bit more time on that visual design. Um, but if you have the other one, that's just a better experience that people prefer more, that offers more value to them, they're going to go mm-hmm. with that more. Mm-hmm. And also, there might be a technical issue here, too, because 
where they get the sauce might impact that, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if it's harder to put the honey roasted barbecue sauce in a bucket and then to spend an extra two cents doing it, they might prefer not to. That's true. And just be like, no, go with the bag. But really what they're doing is taking the superior product and putting it in a packaging because of a technical problem. Hmm. Right? Does it, has that ever happened in the software development industry? I think it is possible that's happened. I think it Maybe. happens. I think it's happening right now as we're speaking. Yeah. I think I think a product team is going, we're going to hold off on the superior UX because there's a slight technical limitation that prevents us from getting it out in the day we want we want it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it happens all the time. Yeah. And there's a lot you can do and a lot you can't do about that, right? Yeah. As a designer, you can't exactly say all the time. You can't really dictate how you know your developers are working. You can't tell them how to yeah. do everything. Um, but we can go to the product manager and we can say, hey, yeah, this is the, like, if you just put this in this package, spend the extra time, put it in this package, I'm telling you the honey roast barbecue sauce will, will outperform the Chick-fil-A sauce, hands down. Hands down. Hands down. Hands down and chicken up. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. With, with that, we will leave the podcast. <laughs> I think I think we officially found our tagline. Make, you can't put your hands down in the chicken up, though. You can't do it. That's the beauty of that tagline. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. TM. Hands down, chicken up. <laughs> TM. Chick-fil-A. Well, that's another great episode of the... Design much podcast, Andy. Hands down. Shake Shake it up. up. (laughs) Oh, man. We finally, we've been doing this for a year and we finally found our clothesline every time. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) We've also got a good book idea. (sighs) Fifty Shades of Candor will will be released uh, early 2019. 2019. It's going to be. Maybe 20, New York maybe Times late top bestseller list for yeah. sure. Either early 2019 or late 2020. Yeah. One of those two. It's going to be hitting the bookshelves. I'm excited. And we'll get you to do the Audible version. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I'm not doing the Audible. You'll do it. I, we'll we could switch off too. We could read paragraph, paragraph. Because I would kind of... Oh, well, if we're doing, if we're doing Fifty Shades of Candor, then um, we'll have to illustrate conversation in there somehow. So I'll be the I'll be the the idiot guy that you're yelling at all <laughs> yeah. the time. I don't know you. You have a better yelling voice than I do, though. I do. You've yeah. never heard me yell. I hear you yell every meeting when you're trying to speak <laughs> up, Patrick. I've never yelled at anyone, <laughs> except for my kids, maybe. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> I mean, I could just be the narration, and then you could be the yelly voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we need another person, but. Um, we can just we can open up auditions right now if you guys want to. <laughs> you guys yeah, want to. If you're apply. interested in being in the audiobook, yeah, uh, Fifty Shades of Radical Candor. We we need a clapper person and we need um, uh, some voice recording for the audiobook. <laughs> so lots of jobs here at Design Much. Yeah. As we build out this uh, podcast network. Yeah. This is gonna be uh, like the Tyler Perry thing. It's gonna be <laughs> we're gonna build our own studio. Everything's going to happen. We're going to have soap operas eventually. We're going to have all kinds of stuff going on. Oh, I'm excited. And for everything the soap will have Tyler Perry's name on it. His name on it? Yeah, his and Tyler Perry's name okay. on it. Yeah, because. But it's going to be spelled slightly different. 
like instead of P-E-R-R-Y, it's going to be P-A-R-R-Y. Yeah. So it'll be Tyler Perry's Design Much Podcast. Yeah. And Tyler Perry's Fifty Shades of Candor book. <laughs> to really sell this, though, we gotta we gotta meet Oprah somehow. To really, oh. I think that's our I think that's been our biggest problem since day one. Oprah, because we don't know Oprah. We gotta get her. Oh man, we gotta get her on here. We have to interview Oprah. Yeah. Get Oprah on here. Maybe build a connection with Harpo. We're done. Yeah, Oprah, if you're listening, we are interested. You can come on to the show anytime. Yeah. We know Oprah's listening because Clark from Envision was listening for a long time. Yeah. And he's he's really close with yeah. Oprah. Oh, by the way, how's Envision Studio going? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> your face your face when I said, Hey, how's Envision Studio going? is is probably sums up the entire design community right now. Ask anybody, how's how's uh, Envision Studio going? <laughs> and they're going to say, I opened it in January when I got that awesome invite, and I was so excited about it, and then I haven't opened it I since. opened it in January. <laughs> it crashed five minutes later, and I haven't even looked at it. Yeah. Poor Envision Studio. Someday. Maybe late 2020. Yeah. Well, hands down, chicken up. <laughs> Life from Lehigh. Oh, come on. (laughs) Not only is the bag super horribly loud, but also you're crunching it in your mouth. They're the best for obnoxious people. Yes, it is. Allison would love this. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're, we're here. Good morning, Vietnam. What's the big news of the day, Andy? Big news of the day. <sighs> you want to do the intro? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's see. We are Welcome on... Welcome to Design Much. Is this... Episode 21. Is it... 22. Is it really 22? Yeah. Okay. Of the Design Much podcast. There, I'm, I'm updating title. it here. Okay. I'm updating the introduction welcome script. What is the title of it? How to... How to speak up. How to... Welcome to episode 22 of Design Much Podcast. How to speak up. Featuring Allison Zubal. Looks like I don't need to. I, I Didn't I sound just like you? You did. Identical. <laughs> You've been practicing, man. Yeah. Okay. I'll be quiet. I won't eat corn nuts. Thank you. Always a good call, Patrick. Eat corn nuts alone at your house, bud. (laughs) 
Hold on. I got to take a note. Editing note here. <laughs> What's your editing note? Oh, you're like cutting stuff off. <laughs> Eat corn nuts at your house butt to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to episode 22 of Design Much, How to Speak Up, featuring Allison Zubal. It's beautiful. Only one take, I'm going to stop that.